Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Daney. This is Gus Boyet. This is Don Hutchison. This is Jürgen Klopp, and you're listening to the big interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona, and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast wouldn't happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to join us, to become a socio, and to get every interview we produce without adverts and before it goes out on the main feed plus lots of bonus content including the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly Q&A you will also get bonus content every month including the audio versions of my regular columns for ESPN so do please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and join the club and get your family and friends to do so maybe even strangers in the street love you Welcome back. My guest today is Jason McAteer, once a Bolton Wanderers, Liverpool, Blackburn Rovers, Sunderland, and of course, Ireland. I've met and worked with Jason a couple of times, and I really liked him. thought he was a smart guy, fun guy, with a point of view that I like to listen to. Now, Jason, in his excellent autobiography, describes the concept that there, through his career, have been two versions of him. Trigger which was the nickname he carried throughout his playing career, was a bit of a lad, always up for fun and trouble. Jason, meanwhile, was a much deeper thinker and not just about football. In ways, I guess, you'll meet both of them in this two-parter, starting with this episode, where we spend a lot of time on Bruce Riach, a big footballer for Scotland and for Derby and Everton during the 70s, whose managerial stock was sky-high, when he took Jason's Bolton up two divisions. You're going to learn about Jason's mentality too, which I think is heavily influenced by the start he had in the game. A start which is increasingly rare these days. In this series of interviews, we've heard it before, but Mr. McAteer heard the words, you'll never make it, or their equivalent, a lot, particularly in a local watering hole. And as you'll go on to listen to, he learned to use all of this as fuel use it to his advantage. Concepts that I identified with a lot. Parental warning. 
We start quite heavily on golf, and boy, I love talking golf to Jason. We could have made the entire interview about that sport, and he's very articulate about something that he's pretty nearly obsessed by. Anyway, for the moment, here he is. In fact, is it true? Here they are, both Trigger and my preferred version, Jason McAteer. Dear listeners to the big interview, we're now live with an Irish legend, one of the fighting macketeers, a true world scouser. We're in the very, very pleasant and uh, estimable company of Jason McAteer. Jason, good afternoon to you and welcome to the big interview. It's an absolute pleasure, mate, uh, to come on. I think, what is it? What am I? 108? Is it? Why is it taking you so long? 108 because we couldn't get in touch with you. In uh, terms of quality, that's just a number of where you've appeared. There's something that <laughs> puts you high, high up in quality. And I know that already because we've shared a stage in Dublin once, which is a great boast of mine. Now, now, Jason, today we've been arranging our timetables around each other, which means both of us need to get a better life. But you could see from our WhatsApp conversation that I was on the golf course <coughs> earlier on today, knocking the Dazzy around in, in startling style. But the last time that I did an interview with one of our guests on the golf course, it was at the Belfry, and it was um, Stan Petrov of Celtic and Aston Villa fame. And that interview, Jason, started off really strangely, because just apropos of nothing, I said, what, what's your favourite club in the bag? And he got into probably the pitching wedge, because around the green, I'm, I'm totally steely and that. And within seconds, we're talking about his time in the Bulgarian army, and how the greatest thing he can boast about is that he can still blindfold himself and strip down an AK-47 and put it back together again. <laughs> you can see where this is going. <laughs> so my two questions to you would be, if you reach for the, for the golf bag, irrespective of where you think you are on a hole or in what course you are, which, what's the club that says to you, yeah, Jason, it's me again, I'm ready? Well, first of all, I'm obsessed by golf. Obsessed with it. Um... The swing, like I'm right into it, the biomechanics of it. Um, a lot of my mates are, are all golfers. Um, I'm a big watcher of golf. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm right on your page here. Yeah. My go-to club, um, I would probably say 8-iron. A nice controlled club. Um, yeah, it's nice distance. You know, you're looking between 140, 150. Anything sort of around that. You can also use it around the greens to a little bump and run uh, now and again. But if you said to me, right, you've got to pull a club out the bag, I'd go eight iron, mate. And when you talk about the biomechanics of the swing, are you thinking not just about um, where you want the swing to start and finish, but your, your, your physical shape and, and how you want to fade or, or turn the ball? When you talk about the biomechanics of the swing... What have you done to to affect that and to what end? Lessons. Um, I think if you look through my uh, my book collection, uh, probably 80% will be about golf, uh, the swing. Uh, and there's so different, obviously so many variants of it and stuff. And, you know, I'm obsessed with YouTube and Instagram and, you know, I, I listen to a lot of coaches and stuff. I've, I've got one now that I go and see, uh, obviously not through lockdown, but before lockdown, I was I was with him and, 
you know, just trying to just trying to learn basically consistency of a swing. It's funny, really, because if you said to me you can skank one from 140 yards to a foot away from the hole, or you could hit one out the middle, pops right out and goes 20 yards over the green. Which one would you take? I'd take the 20 yards over the green all day long because it was it was just felt right. It was in the right position. It looked great and it popped out the club. Um, there's nothing worse than a skanky one. But there's nothing like drilling a drive down the middle of a fairway 300 yards, obviously in Spain or somewhere hot, uh, where you get that little bit of extra flight. But yeah, it's um, it fascinates me, mate. It absolutely fascinates me. If you're out there on your own, which I love, it's a very different atmosphere than you're out in a, in a pair or in a four, and you're hitting shots, and I'm, I'm obviously owning up here something myself. I talk, to, I talk to myself a lot, because I quite like my own company, I find myself funny, but if I'm out on the golf course and I'm hitting a shot, I'll be talking as I've hit it. Oh, Graham, that's, oh, you beauty. Graham, that's, no, hold on a second, I'll be, you know, if you, if you were to stumble upon me on a golf range or alone and I'm playing 18 on myself... The, the degree to which I'm talking to myself is, is high. Do you do that? Or have you got all the conversations stored up in your head as you've hit? Or you say, now listen, no, I wanted to fade that or I see that. So this is what I'll do. Do you talk to yourself a wee bit? Yeah, I, I've always... I'm, I'm a talker, mate, yeah. I've always done that. And it, it's not just through... It, it's not just with golf. Um, my career, you know, I would very often talk to myself during a game. Um you know, I, I talk to myself as in a macker and I, it's a third person. And it's like, you know, I've read Steve Peters' Chimp Paradox, so it's very much the chimp is is in my ear. Um, and I'll be like, Macca, what was that? Or, you know, go, Macca, come on, let's go back to basics. Or, come on, Macca, breathe, breathe. Or, come on, Macca, you, you know, we've got two minutes, you know, to go or whatever it is. Or, come on, just hang in. So I've always been a talker on the golf course. As you know, it, there's nothing more frustrating. So, and we don't hit the perfect shot all the time. We, you know, we're we're three and ten, aren't we? Uh, you know, with that, and you know, so for the other seven shots, I'm actually beating myself up. So, like, what is that? And there's plenty of expletives in there. And I, you know, I, I I am very very critical of myself and beat myself up. I practice a lot. I put a lot of effort into it. I do think you should, for the effort, you should always be rewarded. And it's the most unrewarding game, isn't it, for the amount of practice you put in. Growing up as a as a as a Scot, um, we had the midfield at one stage with Aza Hartford, Don Masson, and, and Bruce Reich. And Bruce, I've met, and I like, uh, and we got on. But you're in a privileged position because this guy that made a club that's now struggling desperately, but is one of the historic, famous uh, members of of the football family in England. And he's also the guy that gifted Dennis Bergkamp to Arsenal. You had a really good first-hand knowledge of. He had a big influence on you. But what was the kind of car that Bruce Rea made you give back? And why did he do that? Mate, I signed for, for Phil Neal at Bolton. I was on 100 quid. And uh, I, had a, I went to the bank and got a £2,000 loan for, and bought a Mini Metro. An Austin Mini Metro. Blue. And I tore the ass out of it, up and down the M62, <laughs> up to Bolton, to Bendham Park every day via Halewood and Speak, because three of the lads used to jump in. It was like sardines in this car, mate. And, I, I, you know, in the end, the engine fell out of it and, you know, I just battered it. Um, but luckily for me, I was doing well and I signed a new contract and Bruce had come into the club and he sat me down and he said, you do well for me. 
I'll look after you and I'll pr- improve your contract every time you do well for me. And we, we, you know, we'll set targets and all this kind of stuff, which was great management because it was an incentive for me. And um, as, you, as you rightly say, I had a fantastic relationship with him. Talked to him straight away. Um, Colin Todd was his assistant. And, you know, me and Alan Stubbs have a laugh. We, we kind of felt that Stubbsy was Colin Todd's project and Bruce was mine or I was his. And, you know, Colin would stay behind with Stubbsy and Bruce would stay behind with me and we'd work on left foot, right foot, heading, third man running, all this kind of stuff, shooting. And I loved it. Tackling, how to tackle properly, how to tackle and get away with it. Uh, all these things. He taught me so much. But to go back to your question is, if you've ever been to Burnham Park or you ever remember Burnham Park, when you come off the motorway, you come round, you, you go down the hill and on the on the right-hand side, Burnham Park's on your right-hand side, but just before you get to Burnham Park, there's a, a row of shops on the right, which there was a pie shop there, which Bruce Rayock used to make on your birthday. You had to buy the pies and cakes and you'd, they'd get across after training, all the lads in the bath, pies and cakes, and you'd all have a bit of banter and it was great. And just before Burnham Park on the right-hand side, there was a little independent car showroom, tiny, and in this car showroom was a green Lotus Alain. And we used to pass it every day going into training. And I used to look at this car, mate, and I used to think, I want that car. I want that car. And, you know, I've done it with a few things in my life. I remember looking at a suit in a, in a shop window and thought, I want that suit. And I got the suit. I saved enough money and I got the suit. And I remember looking... Um, Burnham Park, I remember watching the first team when I was just signed and the crowd was full. It was brilliant atmosphere. And I remember saying to myself, I want to play for the first team here. I want to do that. And I managed to do it. And then Anfield, I was standing on the cop against Bristol City or Bristol Rovers. They beat Liverpool. Suey was the manager. Knocked them out the FA Cup. But I remember that night thinking, I'd love to play. I want to play here. I want to play here. And, you know, all these dreams have come true for me. But this Lotus Alain was, was one of them moments. It was one of that. I want, I want that car. I want that car. So I signed a new deal. So I goes in, I says to Stubbsy, we signed the, me and Stubbsy used to sign these deals. We were like in clockwork, me and Stubbsy. So we signed these deals. So I said to Stubbsy, I'm buying a new car. And he went, so am I. And just further up the road was a, a Vauxhall garage. So Stubbsy went up to the Vauxhall garage to buy his new car. And I went in this little independent showroom and I walked in and the fella, he knew straight away. And I said, I want to buy this car. And he said, okay. And we sorted out all the paperwork and um, and I drove it out the showroom. In fact, the next day I went back and picked it up. The next day I went back and it was all like shiny and it was all ready for me. Finished training, couldn't wait to get up there. Got me Lotus Alain convertible, like shot home, racing green. It was racing green. Got home, my mum's like looking at me, what is that? I'm made up, right? So I'm like, drives into training the next day. Parks it up, like in the car park, goes into training. Bruce walks straight into the dressing room. He just goes, this is before training, he goes, um, who's is the Lotus Alain? So I've gone, oh my God. So I've gone, uh, yeah, gaffer, it's mine. He's gone, come and see me after come and see me after training. So I've gone, all right. So I've gone and seen him after training. All train, I'm thinking, what's going on? What's going on? So I've gone into training. He said, uh, I've had your mum on the phone. 
He said, that car, he said, I'm not having it. You're driving up and down the M62 every day. He said, not having it. He said, you're crashing that, you're dead. He said, I've rang um, so-and-so from the car, car showroom. He's got a cheque there. He's going to give you all your money back. He went, drive up there and go and buy yourself a proper car, like Stubbsy. <laughs> he bought an Astra. Stubbsy had bought an Astra. So in the end, I had to go to the Vauxhall garage. <laughs> I had to buy a Vauxhall. And mate... Every day, that, that Lotus Lamb went back in the window, and every day, that Lotus Lamb was like that at me, just shaking its head. Just like, <laughs> what more can I say? And I had to give it back, and that was it. One day, I had it. One day. Change times. I can't walk past Bruce, Bruce Ray teaching you about third-man run or tackling, how to tackle well, how to get away with one. People on the, that listen to this series, they're genuinely interested in the art of football. Pick anything out of those examples you gave and explain what he taught you. We used to play a lot of practice matches, a lot of shape with Bruce. Um, he was a stickler, you know, for playing into Andy Walker. I mean, we had some fantastic Scots play for us. Um, Ian McNeil was the scout up there. Brought out, McGinley. Yeah, oh, John McGinley, Andy Walker. What a player Andy Walker was. John was very raw, but very effective. Coily was brilliant. What a fella Coily is. Stevie Fulton come down. Mixu Patalainen come down, mate. It was brilliant. But Bruce, I mean, I was talking to you there about, you know, things he he taught me. But we used to, we had a player called Mark Patterson, right, northern boy Paddy was. I think he was from somewhere like Preston. He'd been at the club a while, rough, like dogged, like aggressive, hard as nails. So anyway, we, we were playing this practice match, but he used to kick shit out of me, Paddy. Because I was like this young kid, I'd just come into the team. And to be all honesty, he was a threat to his position because I'd gone into midfield. So we played in this get this this practice match, mate. He smashed me. He cut me in half. Like smashed me. Got up. You know, you, you you're told that, especially from the family I'm from, you don't show pain. You you just get up and you carry on. You don't show it like you're defeated. You just get on with it. If you get the opportunity, you get them back. So uh, we we come off half time, and Bruce just says to because we had a couple of young lads playing to make up the numbers. Just says to one of the young lads off, and he he comes on. Bruce comes on. Comes on, middle of the park, five minutes gone, giving the ball away. Anyway, the ball goes out. I remember it goes out to the left and Paddy is going towards the ball and Bruce just goes diag and just like full pelt. Mate, he tackles him up here, like two-footed, up here. It's like smashes him. Like you don't, you remember Bruce Rioch, like he just smashes him. And like stands up, he's, he was like that alley foreman where he stands up and he's looking over him. It's like that moment. He's like, and he just turned around to me and he went, "That's how you tackle." And I just remember thinking, like, like one, he's like proper looked after me, so it was that like, yeah, he's on my the gaffer, like he's on my side. But also, I just thought like, I'm never gonna like, I'm, if I have to get someone back, I'm gonna I'm gonna muller them. Do you know what I mean? Because. Obviously, it's acceptable for him. It's acceptable for me. <laughs> like, and obviously, that's what he likes. So, mate, I was like, so, I mean, a lot of my games in for, for Bolton, you know, I, I used to fly into tackles. I used to like smash people and stuff. And, you know, I just, and, I, and I, I got a, I got a thirst for it. I actually loved like the art of tackling. I loved it. I loved like a 50 50. I never shaked out of a 50 50, mate. Never. And, um, you know, you give me one. I used to love it. I used to love it. For the rest of this big interview, 
I'd like to tell you that our entire archive of audio and video content is now on our new YouTube channel. We've begun filming all of our interviews, and there are already loads of clips with guests, including Rio Ferdinand, Connor Cody, Brendan Rogers, and Jamie Carragher, plus full interviews for you to watch and to share. Please do share with friends. Go to YouTube and search Graham Hunter, or click on the link in the show notes to this episode and become a subscriber. I honestly think you'll enjoy it. Thanks. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You come from a family. Several of them were extremely good in the ring. But but just because you come from, you said obviously the stock I come from, just because you come from that family doesn't mean that you necessarily, you know, you have to be fighting everybody all the time. And I wonder, did you take into your 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 game, whether it was Marine, whether it was as you went forward through Bolton and Liverpool and Sunderland or whatever, did, did you initially think, I have to be careful not to be falling out with everybody and resorting to fists all the time, that you had to mask a part of your your your, your inherent character that comes from right across your family? Yeah, I mean, you've got to learn to be professional, haven't you? I mean, it's it's one thing going from Sunday League football where everyone, you know, 20 people are watching on the line. When a fight goes off, everyone dives in. It's just like the OK Corral. I mean, that that's how I grew up playing Sunday League football. There was plenty of them occasions. But when you're playing football, there comes a consequence to getting set off, isn't it? Because, you know, your team goes down to 10 men. There's a crowd. There's repercussions. You could lose the game. Three points. Promotion. You know, fine, you get fined thousands of pounds. So, you know, you, there has to be a professional edge to it. I mean, like I said, don't get me wrong, if there's a 60 40 against, you know, I'm, I'm still going in for it, but I'm going to try and be cute about it and not get sent off. Listen, the way I grew up, I 
see a clinical psychologist now. He's a sports psychologist as well. And I, I speak to him regular, mate, certainly through lockdown and stuff. It's been a difficult time and I speak to him and we've kind of like gone through a lot of stuff and, and we're actually now on a, on a page of like, you know, why people are molded a certain way and why certain things happen. And we've gone back to my childhood and stuff. And, you know, I, I was always, you know, I was conditioned to win, like just to win. Now in life, you know, for, for 90% of my, my professional life or 100% of my professional life, that might have been a, a good thing to have, a good quality to have because it got me to where I was. It got me to how I, how I was as a footballer and, and what have you. But, you know, in life, you, you can't always win. You know, sometimes, you know, it, it, it's not about winning the battle. It's about winning the war, isn't it? And sometimes you've got to concede the battle. And, you know, if it's a tug of war, sometimes you've got to drop the rope. If it's an argument you've got to drop the rope sometimes. So winning is not always an option in, in life. But in football and sport, you know, it was something that got me to, you know, the, the, the echelons of the game, you know, to the elite of playing for one of the biggest clubs in the world and playing for a country. But there has to be a professionalism about the way you go about that. But I wonder whether, if you're being taught that winning is everything, to win everything if, from small to medium to large all the time, is one of the things to decouple from that because a lot of kids today are not taught that. If you talk, you'll know this inside out. If you talk to any scout, any coach, there are a lot of kids who don't feel the way you were taught to feel, and that you actually sometimes have to mm, take a talented kid, boy or girl, but we're talking about the professional game here, and actually look to to g them up without going over uh, all the boundaries that then now get you kicked out of the game and, and so on and so forth. But I wonder if teaching people that winning is important, that winning is everything, but taking shame away from being defeated or losing or being able to say, that's not the battle I want to fight right now. If you can take that, that shame thing away, which I think wasn't taken away, I'm older than you, but when we were growing up in that, in that idea of you have to win everything all the time, you have to be hard, you have to decouple the idea of stepping away or, or, or losing occasionally is shameful because that's one of the ways you can, you can keep the, the hard edge but, but not beat yourself up, I think. You can't win everything. You know, you, you know it's, it's impossible, isn't it, to, to win everything, to win every battle, whether it's small, big, whatever it may be, you know, to, whether it's an argument or an FA Cup final or a Champions League, whatever it, World Cup, you know, you can't win everything. You, you've got to take the adversity though and you've got to, you, you've got to take the feeling, the emotion and you've got to, you've got to harness it to, to you know, to, to bring the good out of it. It's, there's no good, I mean, you, obviously you can sulk initially, you, you know, you're sulking and you're upset and you're just disgusted or you're whatever, but, You've got to use that as, as a fuel. You've got to use that to harness, like, you know, inside you that you don't want to do that again. You don't want that feeling again. So you will try even harder next time. Mate, I'd like, I, I worked in a pub when I was 19 years of age. I was working in the sportsman's just up the road from Trammy Rovers' ground. I was a barman. And these fellas used to come into the pub and I just, I'd signed for Marine. I was a semi-pro. I was making a few headlines, like clubs were watching me and blah, blah, blah. And I, I remember these fellas saying to me, you will never make it. You've got no chance. You're too old. You're not good enough. You're too skinny. Listen, you're waiting in a pub. No one's going to sign you. And, you know, a lot of a lot of 19-year-olds, certainly from 19-year-olds of the millennials of that I've come across, would, would take that like, oh, like, I'm not good enough. And I took it as, I'll show you. I'll show you that I'm good enough. And I harnessed that. I, I took it on and... And do you know what? When I signed, when I signed for Liverpool, I went back to that pub to look for them fellas. I went back to walk into that bar in that pub. 
you know, it's a couple of the couple of the same people, same faces were there. The two fellas weren't there, but I went in to 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 see them to go. What were you saying to me? What what you know? I proved you wrong, and I had a lot of that growing up. I had a lot of people telling me you can't do this, you can't do that. There's no such thing, mate. If 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 you want it, then you've got to harness the the, the bad stuff, and you've got to you've got to make you've got to fuel it to to what drives you to to be a winner or what drives you to get to where you want to be. You know, whatever your dream is or whatever your passion is, you've got to you've got to harness it, and if that means trying harder. You know, I beat myself up on the golf course all the time. But, you know, my my, my sports psychologist says, you, you, you've got to try harder. You've got to practice harder. You've got to, you know, that's that's the only way you're going to get better. You know, don't beat yourself up about it. Don't put the club down. Don't tell yourself you can't do it. Get out and practice. And that's what you've got to do. It's easy to quit. You know, it's harder to, to practice more. You're in an area that I find interesting, Jason. So, again, stop me if you want, but... When you when those voices from those two particular guys in, in the bar were in your head, did you quite often stoke yourself with it? Did you go? Did you have to go back to that anger? Because I think it is that I'll show you. That's that's anger. Did you have to sort of t- touch it every 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 now and again to give yourself a G up again? I'm still showing them. Did it? Did, did that anger live with you for a long time? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, pre-season or do you know what, mate? Do you know what? They come into your head when it's pissing down with rain. You've got to get two trains to training and a bus and a twenty-minute walk, and it's pissing down. It's freezing, and they come in your head, and you and you're thinking like, "What am I doing?" And freezing, it's like I'm not even in the first team at Marine. I'm in the reserves. You know, I've got to get home, and then two pop in your head going, "You'll never make it," and you just think like. The, the harder I try, the more effort I put in, even now when I'm at the at the lowest. You know, Roley Howard, he took me to a, a first-team game in Marine. I thought I was going to play. Mate, I didn't even get stripped. He had me picking up the dirty undies after the game and, and loading the kit up and, you know, turning the socks inside out. He took me just to help the kit man, like Marine Marine's first team. And I was like, then moments, like, you just think to yourself, what's it all about? I went home and cried my eyes out. And like these people who say you will never make it, that's when they pop into your head. That's when they pop into your head, and you know you, they drive you. I'm not saying it's it, you know I did it to prove them wrong. I, obviously, I wanted to be a footballer, and I had to do it the hard way. But I, you know, ha- proving people wrong is something that I enjoy doing. I wanted to talk more about Bruce. I've got to be careful of your time, although you know that this is a longer interview than normal. We've got also sponsors' questions and we've got members' questions, but I can't really leave without two things about Bruce. I remember I read in your book the anecdote about Bruce at a cup tie when the, the fans are, are queuing up. If, if I'm not wrong, Bruce made players from Bolton go around the queue with cups of tea just to keep the people happy and to show that whether it was ordered to or not, that, that we care about you. And although it's an anecdote from a long time ago, I liked his idea that the fans were important enough that the players should go and give them a cup of tea, a brew, while they were queuing up for tickets. That's a true anecdote. Oh, 100%, mate. You ask any player that was there whether we did that, they'll all confirm that story is true. You know, for a couple of reasons. I think, firstly, you know, you touched on the crowd there. I think even through these these tough times, this pandemic, I think it's showing, certainly in football, it's showing, you know, what an influence a crowd has. You know, certainly Liverpool's emotional tie to the, to their crowd, to the cop, 
is, you know, we're missing that now. You know, it's not there. I think results are, are justifying that as well. Um, the way away results are, I think that's playing into the mix. That just crowds how influential that the and being on the pitch in front of, you know, I played in front of 120,000, I played in front of 3,000. You know, it, they make a difference, mate, to you as a footballer. They, they just do. It, it, they, they enlighten the, you know, the feeling, the emotion in you, the adrenaline. It, they help. Um, so, I think first and foremost, you know, Bruce's relationship with the fans, he knew that we needed the fans. He knew that Bolton, you know, the fan base that we had had a really close connection to the players and the team and he wanted to to keep that. But also he wanted to keep the players on the, you know, the feet on the ground and and you know, it's easy it's easy to run away with yourself when you're earning a few quid and you're buying lotus of lands for a day and you you know you you know, you're, you're living the life as a footballer. It's, it's easy to forget, you know, a little bit of, of where you come from and, you know, what actually happens in real life. It, it is um, easy to, to, you know, get away from that. And I think it's just a little bit of, listen, you know, let's just keep your feet on the ground. Let's do everything right. Um, let's give a little bit back and let's keep this relationship with the fans because you're going to need them, you know, when it's not going so well. So, yeah, we were out there giving cups of tea out while they were queuing up for, for cup tickets, yeah the way it should be so our sponsors are Bet365 and, and they've sent a ton of questions but one that I quite like it's it's a it's simply stated it's one of the most obvious questions to ask you but who would you describe as the best footballer you ever played against in your career and it's a completely personal choice I remember some of the tough games that John Solarco tore me to pieces one game, smashed him, got a yellow card and couldn't touch him after that. He twisted me inside out. He was one of them horrible wingers, you know, he was just so clever with the ball, left, right. He didn't know where where he was going. And uh, he gave me a torrid time one game. Um, I mean, I've been privileged to be on the pitch with some some of the best, mate. Lothar Mateus, Baresi. And then I've come up against, in my positions, the likes of Paolo Maldini, uh, Roberto Carlos, um, but one Ronaldo, uh, Ronaldinho when we played Brazil. But I, I played centre midfield against Brazil. It was my last game for for Ireland. Uh, I played the second half, and Kaká played. And I tell you what, mate, he he just glided across the floor effortless. He twisted his left foot, right foot. His energy, he was up and down. And I used to think like, you know, I was fit and I'd just wear them out by just running and running and, you know, they'd have to track me back. And in the end, they'd give up and I'd get in. I used to think like that. Mate, he, he used to track me back. He was tackling me. He would get his hands dirty, he'd roll his sleeves up. When he got the ball, he was just quality, his touch. He had it where he wanted it. Mate, it was a privilege to be on the pitch with him. And I come off thinking, he's a proper player. <laughs> he's the best. Yeah. Kaka, mate, different gravy. Did you enjoy Istanbul even more? Because he was a big part of the way in which AC Milan trampled on Liverpool. And because his combination with Crespo and that um, the way in which he was doing what you've just described, you went hand to hand with, he was doing that Istanbul that night. But then he gets caught playing with his, his, his sock ties in one of the goals when, when I think maybe the, the, the Smitscher goal. But seeing him doing that and in the first half, the club you support and the, and the guy that you played against, you go, oh, here we go. And then seeing your team coming back and, and tipping them on their arses, that must have been a fun, a doubly fun night. 
Oh, mate, I mean, I was waiting for Sky that night, so, you know, the emotion was just... I had to keep it in check a little bit, but, yeah. Um, yeah, it was amazing. It, it was amazing. I mean, don't get me wrong, it wasn't the greatest Liverpool team, um, and I, I did fear the worst because it was arguably one of the best Milan teams that we'd seen for a long time. And you rightly say, you know, the first half, Kaká was unplayable. I mean, the way he, Stephen Stephen couldn't get to grips with him. He He just... He ran Stephen into the ground. He couldn't get near him. And, and for anyone to do that to Stephen Gerrard was just, is phenomenal. But then, you know, it was a bit of a masterclass from Rafa. You know, he, he knew Kaka was the problem. So did he come on? And, and did he, you know, did a job on Kaka? He played in the hole. He stopped him playing for me. And that, that gives Stephen the license further up the pitch to, to affect the game in a manner in which was probably as good as Kaka's in the first half. And, you know, what Stephen did. You know, it's just one of them sporting moments, isn't it, that we we watch and we look upon and, and just think, wow, you know, that was something special. Thank you for listening to The Big Interview. It's produced by me, which sounds egotistical, but it's also true, Graham Hunter, and Backpage, our music is by Beer Jacket, who else? Editing by Charlie McGarry. Thank you to our hosts at Acast and our loyal sponsors at Bet365. We're also supported by our socios. Find out how to become a socio, how to support us at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Here endeth the lesson. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.